Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. Merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store, and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of sports yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello and welcome to the Sports History Network Showcase, our in-house show featuring SHN podcasters talking sports, talking history, and talking sports history. My name is Oz Davis, host of the Sports History Network's Truly the Goats podcast. And on this episode of the Showcase, we have Mark Mortier. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Mark is the host of Yesterday's Sports here at the Sports History Network, which is a show devoted to all kinds of sports. And uh, Mark, I wanted to start off. Most of us here at the network have in common that sports, not since we were kids, but most of us tend to have peaked out athletically uh, in our teens. However, as I understand it, up until a couple of years ago, you actually had a viable career in sports. Tell us about that. Well, I started competing in Olympic weightlifting in 1981, uh, right after uh, after I graduated high school. And I competed in Olympic weightlifting uh, pretty much all through the decade of the 1980s. And then uh, after that, you know, uh, I did what people normally do, you know, got married, bought a house, had a family, (laughs) and... Uh, so I I stopped competing, but even though I stopped competing, I never stopped training. So mm-hmm. I just continued training as a means to stay in shape and to try to keep some athleticism. And then, uh, oh, I guess it was around maybe t- the year 2009, my son got interested. And in, so I was coaching my son and weightlifting, and he competed for a while. And that kind of motivated me to get back into it. So then I tried my hand at uh, powerlifting. Mm. And to my surprise, I you know, I started looking up some of the records, uh, state records, and to my surprise, I said, wow, I could beat these records for my mm. age group. I didn't even realize uh, so. I guess, uh, you know, most people, once they get to be around 50 or older, they're not doing too much uh, weightlifting anymore. But like I say, I just, uh, I never stopped doing it. So, and then my son started competing. So I figured, well, I might as well get back into this. Hmm. And uh, Uh, now, now, did your son go past the high school level as well? uh, He competed on a local 
weightlifting. Wow. Um, but the only problem was uh, he kind of uh, had some uh, injury. He had a lot of mm. still, I mean, he's still doing it, but he's kind of injury prone. Mm. Uh, he's got some issues with his hip, uh, and uh, now he uh, hurt his knee. So it just, uh, unfortunately, you know, as, I mean, he's a strong strong young man but he just always seems to get injured and i thank god that i never really had that problem i mm. only had one in all the years that i competed in sports i really only had one surgery wow, so wow. very grateful <laughs> yeah good run let's see let's uh then let's go way back how did you first become interested in sports history as opposed to just sports fandom well i guess it really started as a child my father was an avid yankees fan he saw those great teams in the 1940s and 1950s where it seemed like every year the yankees were in the world series yeah then he was also a big uh, football fan, the Giants. He was always talking about Sam Huff, Sam Huff. <laughs> then my older brother, he became a sports fan because of my father. And then uh, actually I was in uh, really, I think what really piqued my interest as far as sports history was when I was in second grade, I, I, was, I was kind of a shy kid and that shyness was hurting my grades. So, and I was too scared and embarrassed to ask for help. So my second grade teacher, she was, she was very young, probably only about 24 years old. She was a big sports fan and she figured, uh, she found out I was a big sports fan. So she figured I'm going to you know, she figured the way to get me out of my shell was to talk to me about sports. So she uh, grew up in Wisconsin. So naturally, she was a big Green Bay Packers fan. <laughs> and I was a Dallas Cowboys fan. So one day, she brought in one of those 8, eight millimeter films. of, And the film was of the, uh, the theme, I, the ice bowl between the Cowboys and the Packers. Nice. Now, my brother, uh, he was actually, that's the first game that my brother uh, watched that made him a Dallas Cowboys fan, that game. But I was only probably, you know, I was about five years old, so I didn't really remember watching the game. Right. So when she showed us this film as part of a history lesson, she actually showed it to the whole class as a history lesson. And uh, that really piqued my interest in uh, sports history. I started, you know, reading every sports book and magazine I could get my hands on. And uh, not only uh, not only did I learn about sports history, but just history in general from all the, you know, reading all these books and magazines. And then, of course, the NFL films with Steve and Ed Sable. I was a big fan of the NFL films. I watched that whenever I could, and really just, uh, like I say, it helped me not only learn sports history, but just history in general. And 
Like, wow, that's 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 pretty interesting that you can actually tie it back to one game. Yeah, you can tie it back to your experience of watching one game as well. That's pretty interesting. Well, it was just fascinating watching that film, and you know, to to be able just trying to image what it would be like to yeah. play in those type of temperatures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no joke. Okay, so you're telling us about watching an 8mm film, and now you're in about the most modern media representation of uh, sports you can get, which is podcasting. How does that happen? Well, it really, uh, I never I never thought about podcasting. I just happened to uh, come across uh, Arnie Chapman on the uh, doing some research on the computer because I was doing uh, mostly writing, just like writing articles on sports. And I tried having my own site uh, with uh, Bluehost, a site called Bluehost. I had made up my own site, but wasn't really going anywhere with it at first. And then I finally started to make some progress with it, and then it got hacked into. So... I decided, you know, I want to try something where I could work with someone who is more computer savvy than I am because, you know, I'm not really that computer savvy. So I came across Arnie Chapman with the Sports History Network. Maybe it was divine intervention. So I contacted Arnie and we talked about, you know, what he was looking to do with the show. And it was really uh, right up my alley because it's all about what I love, which is sports history. And I could tell he had a real passion for it, which made it very easy to get involved with. And, you know, he seems to know a lot more about computers than I do. So mm. he's uh, pretty gifted with, uh, techni- tech- with technology. It's amazing how many of these shows I've done and almost everybody answers that question the same way. (laughs) They're all like, Arnie got me into it. He's like a real pusher for this network. (laughs) Hello, sports fans. My name is Mark Mortier, and the name of my page is Yesterday Sports. If you're anything like me, your favorite sports moments probably go back to your childhood. For me, that would be the 1970s. My first recollections of what... what uh, how would you describe your show? What is your show about? Oh, uh, well, mainly I try to focus on the 1970s because that's the decade I grew up in. So naturally for me, that's the most memorable decade. But, uh, you know, I noticed uh, the most of the people, it seems like, on the show are mostly football-oriented, so I'm trying to add a little variety. I'm doing some baseball, basketball, boxing. I did a couple of podcasts on weightlifting, and uh, so that's pretty much what I've been doing. Um, My next podcast, I just recorded one with Arnie. My next podcast, uh, let's see, I did one on the the uh, New York Mets, uh, like their worlds, you know, they have... Oh, the 69 uh, Mets? 16, well, I pr- tried to focus on all of their World Series appearances because, you know, they have a pretty rich history of losing, so 
<laughs> I decided. <laughs> I decided. Uh, you know, let's give them some credit. They did go to five World Series, so I decided to focus on that. And then I had uh, another uh, podcast that should be coming up pretty soon. I had uh, an, an exchange with a sports writer, uh, probably about over 20 years ago. I contacted a sports writer. Uh, he's no longer with us, unfortunately. He died a few years ago. His name is Paul Zimmerman. They called him Dr. Z, and he wrote for Sports Illustrated. I remember Dr. Z, of course. So, yeah, so I always read his articles in Sports Illustrated. And uh, so one day, about 20 years, maybe probably more than 20 years ago, I just sat down and figured I'm going to write this guy a letter and send it in care of Sports Illustrated. I didn't really expect to hear from back from him, but I sure did. And he wrote me a long letter, and it's all about his uh, his all-time team, his all-time NFL team. Nice. And, uh, he actually wrote a book. Uh, he's, well, he started writing a book, and then... Uh, he had a series of strokes, but uh, thankfully his friend uh, Peter King finished it for him. So uh, I always I always liked uh, his style of writing and the fact that he was uh, a pretty, you know he was a sports historian and really especially with football he yeah. really knew his history. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to go back real quick to the Mets. Long history of losing. You, you, you lost like <laughs> any fans of the Mets that are listening to this have now turned off. However, I did want to go back and say, but you got to admit, uh, they had the single best season of the 80s. Oh, yes, 1986. Yeah, I mean, that team was pretty freaking legendary. Bill Buckner, miss you or not, uh, the 86 Mets were pretty freaking good. So. Yes, and uh, that was probably, I mentioned in the the podcast, that was not only one of their best team, uh probably their best team ever, and probably one of the best best teams in baseball history. That was an extraordinary team. Loaded yeah, one-year team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's one of those perfect storm, everything comes into place for one season, and these guys are as brilliant as they could be. Then they had a chance again. Uh, well, the following season, they weren't quite as good. But then 1988, they had a 100-win season. And a lot of people were picking them to win the World Series again. They got upset by the Dodgers. So I think, uh, you know, that was really should have been more than just one year. But. Well, I guess, except that the Dodgers went later polished off the A's, right? So, right, you know, right. they earned it. They earned it. Yeah, <laughs> um, you can't can't blame it all. The Mets losing, got to put some of the Dodgers winning. Oh, the Dodgers! That was like uh, one of those Cinderella teams. Yeah, they just came out of nowhere, and uh, yeah, yeah, they even beat the A's, who were heavily favored. Um, let's talk about this really quick. Um. You've also written two books on weight training and weightlifting. Uh, can you tell us something about those? Oh, well, I actually wrote one book on weight training. Uh, the other book is not 
totally sports, but uh, it's about the 1970s. The first book on weight training, uh, it's titled No Nonsense, Old School Weight Training. And I mainly wrote the book because uh, from talking to people uh, a few years, maybe about two, two, three years ago, I got certified as a personal trainer. And, and speaking with a lot of people that I'm trying to help, a lot of the times the uh, the common problem for most people is just not having an abundance of time to put into it. You know, most people are busy working, taking care of their families. So I decided I, I want to write a book for people that don't have a lot of time to put into weight training. And it covers, you know, the basics, and it also uh, goes through, uh, you know, I go through a list of exercises. I have maybe 20 exercises listed in the book that I feel are the main 20 exercises that uh, people that don't have a lot of time to put into it, if you can just... Uh, I actually only, you know, a lot of people are surprised to hear when I tell them I only spend about two and a half hours a week uh, uh, weight training. And you hear a lot of people saying, oh, you got to spend two, three hours in the gym. And that's that's really not the case unless, you know, you're trying to go to the Olympics or something like that. Okay, but most people you know, don't have those lofty goals. They just want to get in shape and get gain some strength and some muscle. So that's basically what the book is about. Well, Mark, I got to tell you, on this particular book, you're pretty clever because uh, pandemic or no, that market of people who don't have enough time, that's a huge market. So oh, yeah. <laughs> good call there. Let's get in a plug for that first book, and we'll talk about your second book. Where can people find it? Of course. Uh, okay. Okay. And, All right. Uh, and uh, second book. You said it's about the 1970s. Book, uh, yes. Uh, the name of the, the title of the book is Running Wild, and it's all about uh, growing up in the 1970s. Uh, 1970. I was eight years old in 1970, and 1979. By by 1979, I was 17 years old. So, from the ages of eight to 17 are pretty impressionable years. So, And were you uh, growing up in New York? No, I grew up okay. in New Jersey. Uh, okay. Just a stone's throw away from a giant stadium. Uh, I remember watching them uh, build giant stadium from my grandparents' house. You could look down the hill and watch them building the stadium. So it's all about, you know, what it was like growing up in the 70s how much different it was at that time than it is now. And uh, I just, you know, I feel so, I, I guess I didn't really ever think about it until I sat down and started writing it about how grateful uh, I was to, uh, how grateful I am to have grown up then because kids then had so much freedom. Uh, you know, that's why I titled it Running Wild. We just ran we just ran wild, and uh, you know, I can remember getting up on a Saturday morning and 
having breakfast and then going out and just all day long with my friends playing sports. And yep. Our parents didn't even know where we were. They, you know, the only rule was stay out of trouble and be home for dinner. <laughs> and that's that was it. You just went out and played all day long and ran wild. And uh, kids today, you know, I feel sorry for them because they don't have that kind of freedom. And today it's all, you know, they're on the computer, they're on the cell phone. Well, I mean, especially, I mean, you must have seen it in in New Jersey. Um, people, by the time the 80s came around, you know, parents were paranoid. People were paranoid <laughs> about violence and, right. you know, weird child, you know, sickos and whatnot you know i mean so so yeah. i mean there's a reason why my generation was called the latchkey generation right you're supposed to go home lock yourself in right? yeah, <laughs> and, and watch tv right? that's when it kind of started I think, in my, yeah there in was a, such an explosion of crime and kidnapping and i think uh you know i mentioned in my book it just seemed like i guess more uh mothers were stay-at-home mothers at that time yep Everybody just, I mean, the neighborhood I grew up in, I know, everybody just kind of looked out for each other. And, you know, you couldn't really get away with commandment crime because there were people watching you. <laughs> and those mothers that were staying home, they, they kept an eye on what was going on. They were looking out the window and you didn't, you didn't have a chance to commit a crime because you were being watched. Wow, different world, different world. Now, the name of that book again is The 70s, that's it? Oh, the, the title of the book is Running Wild, oh, okay. growing, up in the, growing Up in the 1970s. Okay, great. And that's also on Amazon. Yes, that's great. on Amazon also, yes. Fantastic. Okay, um, I wanted to touch on this one. We'll get you out of here after this, uh, Mark. Uh, you had kind of, we were preparing for this show, and you had kind of a different, I think, take on sports today than most of us here at the Sports History Network. Um, you don't watch sports nowadays, huh? Uh, very, very little. Um, I really stopped watching the NFL. Uh, football was probably my favorite sport growing up, although I did like the other sports. Uh I, I think it was around 2007, watching football. You know, each year just I just got less and less interested in it. And finally around 2007, I said, I, I, you know, I, I'm not getting any enjoyment out of watching this. Just the game changed so, so much. And I was fortunate that I saw football in the 1970s. It was such a different game back then. And uh, baseball, I still, probably out of all the sports, uh, baseball is the one that I will watch occasionally because I think it's probably changed the least of all the sports. It seemed like there's more traditional, you know, it's more traditional as far as rule changes and they don't really change the rules too much. Well, they've been going a little bit. They've been going a little bit nuts lately, though, huh? I mean, they, they have these. They've been going a little nuts lately, though, huh? 
They have seven-inning double-headers. They have DH in the National League. Uh, you know, runners on base for extra inning games and stuff like this. Yeah, the past Whoa. the past few years, all of a sudden, there's a, an explosion of rule changes, and that's yeah. kind of turned me off. And uh, it's just, uh, I guess, you know, growing up watching sports in the 70s, it's hard to watch today's game because it's more, it seems like it's more about entertainment, you know, the, the entertainment value of it, and... Uh, you know, 24-hour coverage, oversaturation, and uh, I remember, you know, <clears throat> watching football. Well, you had, uh, you couldn't get. Growing up in New Jersey, we basically most of the time we on television we saw the Jets, we saw the Giants. Once in a once in a while, you'd get a doubleheader. They did show the Cowboys a lot. Think. For me, that was good because I was a Cowboys fan. But most of the time, it was, you know, 1 o'clock, you saw the Jets or Giants, and at 4 o'clock, you saw the Jets or Giants. The only way you got to see highlights, there wasn't ESPN or any of that, so you had to watch. Uh, Saturday, they had two shows. One was called This Week in Pro Football, where they showed a little highlight of each game. And then there was another show called the NFL Game of the Week. But, you know, there was no VHS. You couldn't record it. If you missed the show, you missed the show. There was mm -hmm. no way to go back and watch it again. So mm -hmm. if you wanted to see highlights of the other games, you had to make sure you watched those shows. Mm -hmm. Halftime was a big deal. Halftime was huge. That was like the only time. I mean, so I was growing up in New England, so I'm, what, maybe six or seven years behind you. So late 70s, early 80s, you, right. got, the, you got the New England game at the top right. every, every weekend. And then at the bottom, it's always, you know, one of the uh, AFC West games. Right, so you get like right. Denver or the Raiders, who everybody in New England hated, by the way, because they jumped us a couple of times. And you never got to see, like, I don't know, Pittsburgh, you know, you uh -huh. never got to see like Green Bay, you know, right. of course they weren't very good yeah. in those days, but <laughs> so you never got yeah. to see them except for, you know, 30 seconds at halftime when they showed you the highlights of yeah. Green Bay versus Minnesota or whatever, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's untranslatable to folks nowadays. Right. You had uh, Howard Cosell did the halftime show sure. on Monday Night Football, but sure. you know, it was maybe... You had maybe you had maybe five ten minutes to show a little clip of each game, and that was all you got. So now you can watch them all if you want to watch them on tape delay. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Mark. I'm gonna have to get you out of here because you're giving me serious flashbacks. <laughs> the name of the show is Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. Mark Morthier. Thanks very much for coming on the showcase. Oh, you're welcome. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. This has been the SHN Showcase Podcast. We'd like to thank our guest, Mark Moyer, of the Sports History Network podcast, Yesterday Sports, which can be found at sportshistorynetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts. The theme song for the SHN Showcase is Quartz by Ani Tech, and it is available through a fair use agreement 
via freemusicarchive.org. SHN Showcase will be back soon with another Sports History Network podcast. Until then, this is Oz Davis saying stay safe and stay historical. Thanks, Mark. You mentioned the Patriots, and mm-hmm. I had a flashback. To, you mentioned the you mentioned the Patriots, and then you mentioned the Raiders. Mm-hmm. I had a flashback to uh, maybe you were too young to remember it. It was 1976 playoff oh, no. game. Oh, no. I remember. Sugar, Bale, Sugar Bear Hamilton, the, the uh, supposed late hit. Yeah, the cheap-ass quarterback, roughing the quarterback call. And whenever people bitched about the tuck rule game after that, I said, hey, karma. <laughs> karma for that. Seriously, that, yeah. I really believe that. I honestly do. Yeah. That stuff comes around. It does. If you wait long enough, it comes around. It does. They got the bad a... call that game. You know, we got the bad call that game. That was not a good call. That, uh, that late hit, roughing the past or whatever, whatever they called it. It was not a good hit. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude. And I hope that you enjoyed this recent episode presented by the Sports History Network and were able to learn some good old-fashioned sports history knowledge nuggets. I started the Sports History Network back in 2020 with the mission to help podcasters find a community of like-minded sports history nerds as well as helping aspiring podcasters to start their own shows. We have a little bit over 30 shows on the network right now covering all sorts of sports history. But as far as I'm concerned, we're just at the toothpick in the ocean moment. You know that. Can't even figure it out because there's so much more coming. We wanted to create the ultimate headquarters for sports yesteryear, starting with Podcast Network and our website. But we're going to continue to move into other mediums as well. And here's the cool part, because we want you to be part of our team. So if you're interested in starting your own podcast or maybe being a guest on one of our shows, Or who knows, maybe even writing an article for us over on the website. Seriously, all you got to do is reach out to us on the contact page over at sportshistorynetwork.com. You can be as technologically savvy as a Neanderthal tapping on a stone trying to figure out this whole hieroglyphics thing back in the day. Again, it doesn't matter, because even if you don't understand the whole podcast space, we have a production team that can pretty much help you out with doing everything. All you got to do, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com, head to the contact page, fill it out. That message goes right to me and I'll reach out to you as soon as I can. But for now, dude, I'm through if you're through.